You think I can still handle things, but no matter who I was, I'm weak. Lately, there are these moments where the fear comes up out of nowhere, and my heart feels like it stopped. And I have dreams. Every night. What kind of dreams? I don't know. I can't remember. I just know that when I wake up, I've lost something. I'm failing in my sleep. It's all I do. It's all I've ever done. It's failing. Again. What's the word, gods? Welcome to Bros, Breakdowns, Reviews, and Other Shit. If you're listening, you're probably a friend or a family member. Thanks for pulling up. Loyal listener, shout out Jazzy. Shout out Tyler, Olivia, Toby. Uh, thanks for pulling up. My name is Bobby. I'll be your host. Just going to be me today. Brandon feeling a little bit under the weather. Couldn't pull up. But I'm going to do my best to hold it down. Some of the show spark and attitude will be missing, but uh, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. Today's mathematics is the latest episode of the HBO series, The Last of Us. This episode is titled Kin, written by Craig Mazin, the showrunner, one of the showrunners, and directed by Hasmila Sabachnik. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. First female director, first female directed episode of the series um, for those of you who don't know, she's an Oscar-nominated Bosnian writer-director, best known for the 2020 film Quo Vadis Aida, that translates to, it's Latin, translates to Where Are You Going, Aida. And it, um, it's a dramatic telling of the events of the Srebrenica massacre, which was a true-life event. Won't get too much into that now, but look it up. It's a real thing that happened. A, um, excellent film as far as I've as much as I've heard, I haven't seen it, but I remember it being nominated for a bunch of awards a couple years ago. Um, it was nominated for the Oscar for the Best Foreign Language Film, the BAFTA for the Best Film Not in the English Language, and the BAFTA for Best Direction. So, um, big-time filmmaker here, and it showed. Um, yeah, overall impressions for me, another great episode. Character-driven and focused. Got a lot of questions answered. Got some new questions. Plot plot got a little bit thick stakes got a little higher joel and ellie's relationship solidified love to see it um yeah so another another banger this series has not missed as far as i'm concerned um and they've all been very different every episode is different this episode was a lot different from the one that preceded it which was um uh, probably the most action-driven, special effects-laden episode of the series so far. And this one was uh, basically void of any real uh, traditional action. I'll get into more. We'll get more into that a little bit later. But um, I just love how this show can do so many different things. And it keeps you on your toes. And it's so good at, at, at sort of um, just surprising you with what it's going to bring every week. You never know what, what to expect. And this was a... Um, 
was a, was another great episode for a bunch of different reasons than, than all the other episodes that came before it. Each one ha- is great for different reasons, and I appreciate that. Uh, the overall theme of this episode, I would say, is family. Uh, you know, it's titled Kin, so it's a little you know, obvious. I'm not being super insightful here, but what does that mean exactly? There's a bunch of different elements of family explored in this episode, different types of family biological family found family um so i love how it was able to sort of cover all that um and make it and and not and it not feel shoehorned just to suit like the theme of this episode it all made sense thematically and as well as narratively um why these elements of family and all these people would collide um i like what this show had to say about found family in particular um, found family is something that uh, this idea of you know it's not a biological family it's some it's a it's another it's people who you encounter and sort of bring into your life um, and they become family and one idea that I thought this episode kind of opened up to me was that you don't always choose your found family and they don't always choose you. I know people say that about biological family, like you don't get to choose your family, you know, it's just who they are. But sometimes you don't get to choose your found family either, which is kind of um, contradictory to the whole idea. Like uh, usually you, you go out and you find your people, right? They're, they're, that's why it's called found family. But sometimes the people in that found family don't necessarily have control over that. Like sometimes it's the conditions and the circumstances and the times that we're, that, that they're thrust into that sort of determines them, determines the family and, and brings these people together. And I think that's the case for, for Joel and Allie. Um, and then other people on the show too, like maybe even Tommy and Maria, um, and even Joel and Tess, like it's not like they had much say or if they would have selected each other, if things were different, if the, if the time was different. It's just that when times are so extraordinary or when the circumstances and the conditions are so heightened, uh, they sort of take over and, and sort of put people and, you know, ha- put these people together. And that I think that's what happened, obviously, with Joel and Allie. But you see, it, I think you've seen it happen with 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 um, Bill and Frank, and with Tess and and Joel as well. Um, yeah, another thing, another theme that I think this episode touched on was was fear and self doubt. Uh, you see, you see a lot of characters opening themselves up to um, something that m- may not have happened so much in the video games it reminds me sort of like how a novel's story is unraveled you get all of this internal um dialogue of the character and and here since since characters are with other people who they feel comfortable with you get to see more of their internal life than than you've seen in the past in particular joel so i appreciated that um it's not like we were completely oblivious to what he was going through but to see him but we were not. We may not always have been up to this point. I wasn't sure if he was aware of it. Um, sometimes people put 
put blinders on and or they reject or resist these things that are happening to them and it's other people who are aware of it or, or who notice it but it seems like Joel's very observant and, and, and aware and self-aware of, of what he's going through and what he is and isn't capable of and to see him express that and articulate it um, was something that the show hadn't really done before and that was uh, done to, to great effect here in this episode uh, yeah and the, another thing that this ep- was interesting about this episode was just the environmental and like seasonal change so seeing them you know in the snow uh, aesthetically was was cool it was a, a compelling landscape it was it, it was shot beautifully um so that was interesting just to see how they move through a different type of season and environment uh yeah but no no infected in this episode like i said at the top i love how this show can just um it, it, it hasn't real. it doesn't need to rely on any certain element of the show it doesn't need to always rely on the infected or doesn't always need to rely on uh joel and ali's journey or their trek or the ra- or other people the, the threat of other people and the threat of ra- of raiders or um it can there's so many that there's so many strengths of the show that at any given any given episode can decide that they that they have so many different things in their toolbox that they can pull out at any given episode, whether it's action or whether it's character, or relationships or you know any of those different elements of the story, can are strong enough to support like the entirety of an episode. And I think this episode um, is proof of how well drawn these characters are because this whole ep- this episode whole almost entirely relies on just exploring these characters and and their relationships and it was compelling all the way throughout we were never bored um i feel like these characters have been fully almost you know fully realized up to this point and to see them to see them kind of clash and to see them expanded even further um was 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 awesome was 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 a great episode um yeah, so those were my overall impressions of the episode. I'll get into a little bit of a breakdown now and and uh, kind of talk beat by beat of what what exactly went down in the show. So we open up with a with a flashback, which was a different way of opening up the episode. Uh, like I said, like I've said, the show like one of my favorite moments of the entire week, not just of watching this show, is like, how is this episode, how is this episode, how is the next episode of The Last of Us going to open? Because they've all been so different. So to see this was, was, um, was interesting, like just to see a flashback of, of, of the, of the, basically the ending scene of the the previous episode was, was, a uh, was unique and unexpected. I wasn't sure what it served or how it would serve this episode, but it was, it did set me aback and kind of um yeah surprised me like I said and I've later discovered that this was basically sort of like a nod to the game because the Henry suicide scene in the game which which is different from the show sort of cuts to black and that there's a big time jump in the video game and and I th- think that's basically why they did it here I, I, I have I thought about this and I don't see how it is connected to the current the the next fo- the following moment that we um, encounter Joel and Allie or wh- where we catch up with Joel and Allie, other than like uh, 
I guess you could draw a comparison to now it's Joel and Allie holding up someone else and Henry and Sam were holding up Joel and Allie when they first met. Other than that, though, um, I don't I, I, I don't really see it connecting other than perhaps it just being a nod to the game. But again, love how the show can surprise you with every with, with, with how it opens every week. Um, so three months later is a big time jump, the biggest time jump I think we've seen other than obviously the 20 year time jump in the middle of episode one. But, uh, three months later I was like, okay, this is interesting. And I was wondering about this because when we ended the episode last, I felt like Allie had undergone this very traumatic event. And I talked to me and Brandon talked about how this seemed like a before and after moment for her and how I don't see how she would be the same like like spunky kind of um plucky teenager that that she has been in in the rest of the show so I was like three months is a long time to process and to process grief and trauma so um maybe that's why they decided to jump so far ahead in time um I mean obviously it also takes a long time to get from Kansas City to Wyoming but it may have been too much of a like a character whiplash to see Allie have to process what she just witnessed in Henry and Sam's deaths um, like following right after I think they she needed that space to sort of kind of process all that and and kind of refine recenter herself and who she is and so when we see her here um, she doesn't seem much different at all that's not to say she's not we all compartmentalize grief and trauma in different ways so I'm sure that she's done that but um yeah she doesn't seem much different but uh, just something I was um expecting following the ending of last episode because like I said it felt like such a such a significant moment in her life and in her journey with Joel um so yeah they've been walking from they they've been walking for a long time I I looked this up. It's about eight. It's over 800 miles from Kansas City to Wyoming. And according to Google Maps, that's 266 hours of walking three thirty three days uh, at about eight hours a day. So three months, they must not be walking all, you know, eight hours a day. Um, so I would say they're probably walking between three and four. So I don't know. They probably could have picked up the pace, got there a little bit quicker than three months if, if Google Maps is 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 right <laughs> um and uh where we find ourselves is in is uh in a cabin and un- sort of like this unknown cabin in wyoming and this is where we meet marlon and florence the thousand year old couple living in this cabin uh played by oscar nominated graham green he was nominated for an oscar for dances with wolves and florence played by elaine miles i've never seen elaine miles but i've heard other people um kind of seeing her praises for her work on this show called Northern Exposure, um, where she sort of plays basically the same kind of kind of character, this unbothered uh, Native woman, and, and she was great here. I love their dynamic. They, they really captured that passively combative love that's only possible after, you know, decades of being begrudgingly married to, to each other. Um, I thought they, they really uh, had really great, great chemistry, um, Marlon and Florence here, and it, and uh, it reminded me of a certain some um, a certain someone's. <laughs> um, I won't say who, but uh, shout out mom and dad. Um, but 
yeah, I really love the dynamic. Uh, dynamic that I just love how, like, like I said, like completely unbothered. They, they feel it looked like this was just another day in the life. Uh, but they're basically being held at gunpoint. So now, you know, Joel committed ho- a home invasion here. Um, so, uh, as 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 many people have expressed throughout the throughout the show, he's capable, and he's very. We see his capabilities. Um, extended through home invasion and uh, you know kidn- basic basically kidnapping. Um, Marlin walks in and you know he asks what the hell's going on basically, and he gets the gets the picture pretty quick. And Florence and but, but but he doesn't bother to ask how Florence is doing, and she makes sure to tell him I'm all right. And he says I got eyes. So uh, <laughs> I love how she just even though she's okay. She's still bothered that he didn't even bother to ask. And sometimes people just want to ask, want to be asked if something is wrong, even if nothing is wrong. I, I know a lot of people like that. Like, gosh, you, you didn't even ask how I'm doing. And, oh, well, how are you doing? I'm, you know, I'm fine. Well, then, then what the fuck? I mean, I, 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 I have eyes. I, I assume that you're fine. But some people just uh, want that courtesy extended. And it seems like Florence was one of those people. Um, so, yeah, Joel's looking for his brother. Uh, didn't seem like he touched that soup. I probably wouldn't either. Maybe, you know, you never know what kind of uh, herbs Florence might have, might have dropped into that. So he doesn't touch the soup. He's asking for his brother. Marlon basically says he hasn't seen him. Uh, you know, to, and then before Joel says, "You don't even know what he looks like," and and I'm sure Marlon, I'm sure that Joel is the only grizzled Latin sex symbol with soft eyes that he's seen around those parts in a while. And he basically tells him as much. So that's that, Joel. Sorry, you're the only sexy uh, Latino that has come around these parts in a while. Um, Florence mentions Allie and Joel looks at her like, what the fuck? Like, 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 oh, you, you kind of showing my hand here. I thought you made, it seems like they made a, a deal prior that he would, she would keep quiet about Allie. Um, not sure why Joel's so embarrassed here. I mean, Allie's no, uh, you know, she's not like a little kid, a little baby. She can hold her own. I mean, if I saw her running around, I I don't think I would take her lightly. She does have a certain look and feel and edge to her. But Joel seems a little bit embarrassed by her. She, she he, you know, I think that she hurts his, he thinks that she hurts his street credibility. Uh, no matter how uh, psychotic or, you know, Marlon asks, who's this little psycho? Uh, but, uh, yeah, Joel kind of underestimates her ability to kind of lift his 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 threatening presence. And uh, But uh, I think, if you ask me, I think she, only, she can only help. Um, he's basically trying to find out where they're at. They're in the middle of nowhere. They're lost again. Joel can't read a map to save his life. We saw this happen in Kansas City. Can't really read a map here, but as as Ali expressed, there's no fucking street sign. So what the hell is she supposed to? How the hell are they supposed to read the map? Again, Florence is completely unbothered. Joel kind of tells them what they're looking for, who they're looking for. They're looking for fireflies. And Florence, uh, Florence asks if there's firefly people, and I I thought she was serious here. I mean, they're so far off the grid, and considering where the world is now, the possibility of firefly people. Uh, doesn't seem that far fetched, so I don't blame her for asking. Uh, you know, genuinely asking, is that a thing now? Is Firefly people a thing that we should be worried about now? Um, but I think she was joking. <laughs> um, 
they sort of direct them on where to go um and uh they 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 mention these rivers or river of death actually they only mention one river and that to not go beyond it and if they want to continue west that the best way to do that is to go east they're basically saying you know uh, there's nothing for you here, nothing but death and danger, so turn around. But as we know, Joel is, is intent on finding Tommy, so that's not going to happen. Um, but they do say, you know, if, if if your brother does did cross this river, he's probably dead. And I think that's what sends Joel into this little mini panic attack um, that, he, that, that he has outside. And... Uh, yeah, this was a this this just reminds you of Joel's age. Like I know he looks much younger than fifty six, but this is a fifty six year old man who just walked eight hundred miles and and just and received some pretty bad news. Um, I probably would have a similar response. And this is just the first of many little uh, like breakdowns that we see him go through in this in, in, or in this episode and. We see Allie kind of pulls him out. like So we see Allie sort of save him again. We've seen her save him before. And the encounter with um, the hunters back in Kansas City. She saved his ass quite literally there. And she saves him here again in a different way. But still, you're seeing, you're beginning to see how sort of um, rely, like how they both need each other basically. And, and I like that. I like that she not only was able to pull him out, but she seemed like genuinely concerned but then she's also a little bit concerned for herself like if you fucking die i'm fucked so it's a little bit of both at this point we see that evolve or we see that change a little bit later but at up to this point um it's not to, i don't want to say she doesn't completely care about joel but she does um it doesn't go it's not lost on her that without him she's uh, much more in danger so they begin to they begin the trek and they encounter river of the first river of death and it didn't seem that scary. Um, they plan to camp in the caves and cross in the morning. Um, this they have a little heart to heart over this campfire. I really love this scene. Uh, she asked to have a drink of his flask and she can't stand it. It's like uh, oil or I forget what she says, but she says something about oil. But something to warm up. I don't know if that's a real thing. I always I often hear people say like, "Oh, just something to warm. Let me have just a little swig of that to warm up." I don't I'm not sure if I've ever had a swig of whiskey or vodka and felt warmer, or cozier. Like uh I don't know what the origin of that is, but I don't think there's much truth in that. <laughs> um uh and uh, they begin to sort of daydream or, or or you know and this reminded me of a little bit of like when you're having a sleepover and you're in the and you're both in bed and the lights are off and you're kind of just like so what what like you begin to fantasize about the future or dream about the future and express your dreams and this sort of reminded me of that she basically asked joel like so what's the plan if this all works out and we find a cure what would you do like imagine like you you, you drop these hypotheticals when you're a kid about like oh what would you do if you know you could do anything or what would you do if you had a million dollars where would you go and what would you do? And that's sort of them kind of bouncing these dreams off each other. And this is where we discover, this is where we discover Joel's affinity for sheeps, for sheep. And this surprised me a bit. I was like, okay. But it makes sense. They're quiet and they do what they're told, he says. And and uh, Joel likes, Joel seems to appre- really appreciate his quiet. And Allie is a stark reminder of how, just how valuable that, that quiet can be. And uh, it seems like he's longing for it here. Uh so obedience and 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 silence is basically Joel's dream. Uh, 
I'm not mad at it. I, 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 uh, I can relate. I like it. I'm with it. I see the vision for sure. And then we learned that Allie, you know, has dreams of being an astronaut. So this was, this was cool. I mean, big dreams. Dream big, baby. Uh, she starts to talk about which astronaut she looks up to. And then we discover that uh, her favorite was Sally Ride. Sally fucking Ride. And she, Sally Ride was the first American woman in space. She wasn't the first woman in space. Two, two Russian two Russian dolls got there first. But um, Sally Ride was the first American woman. And, and Joel right away no, knew that Sally Ride would be someone Allie would appreciate. And I just love that kind of shorthand for showing that yeah they have spent three months together they have gotten to know each other a little bit he's kind of not necessarily finishing her sentences but sort of predicting oh yeah i knew you would like or you know this is who you would like or it just show goes to show how they've sort of got, gotten to know each other a little bit uh so i like that little bit of little touch and then we see that uh ali kind of confesses to joel for the first time that she tried to save sam so this is her being you know opening up and being vulnerable i'm surprised that this is the first time that this came up in the in uh in three months and why she decided this time you know to bring it up at this particular time um not sure if that's made clear i'm sure they've had many campfires like this where they kind of were just um you know being with each or you know uh, alone together and and sort of i'm sure that they've shared more about themselves but um Perhaps this was something that they just haven't talked about. I believe that too. It was a super traumatic event and I could see why they would decide not to talk about it. But uh, she opens up. I'm not sure if she expected him to be mad, but he's not mad. He sort of understands and he just doesn't have much to say. And um, he's kind of saddened by it. And this is the first time we see or not the first time but the first time in this episode we see you know Allie begin to to doubt herself we've seen her go through and experience self-doubt and and the the fallibility of this whole endeavor of her being the cure for this thing we've seen her try to save people we've seen her try to save set Tess uh and Sam and and her fail or fail and those with for those people and Failure is a big thing theme in this episode, and and uh, the the impact it can have on a person moving forward, and how it affects how they move forward, and and we see Allie dealing with that heavily here. Um, cut to the, we get to the next morning, and Joel promises to keep watch, and he fell asleep again. So this is again Joel's age showing itself. He wasn't able to to keep the second watch, but um. Allie is like standing at attention and, and like I said at the top uh, in the home and with the home invasion that uh, she's 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 becoming capable too. so Joel some of Joel is obviously rubbing off on her she's listing off all of all of the things that he's taught her you know watch the six and and all these other um, sort of she has like a she seems to have like a mental checklist that I'm sure Joel helped install in her. And she went through it, and, and, and she's, like I said, she's very capable, uh, just like Joel taught her. Um, and then they get they hit, they get back on, they get back on the road. Uh, a couple of really incredible, like, landscape shots here. I just wanted to shout out the cinematography and the, and like the, pro, the, the location scouting of this. It's, I believe it's in Canada, um, 
and yeah, it looked incredible. It looked beautiful, and you see they got this really great bridge, and this really there was like this really cool overhead shot of them just trekking through the bridge, and and uh, yeah, and they 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 approached this dam, and Allie still she still has a little bit of uh, spunk to her. She still, despite the trauma that that we we saw her go through, she still she's still her. She's still gonna do her. Still gonna do Allie. Uh, they approach this. They approach this dam, and uh, she says, "Dam." And Joel says that she's no Will Livingston, who was, uh, if you don't remember, he was the author of of Allie's joke book. But I thought it was a pretty good one. I gave a. Uh, she got a chuckle from me. And before Joel, before Allie can even ask, Joel lets her know that he he don't know a damn thing about dam. So don't so don't even bother asking. And, and she's like, "Well, you could have made something up." So. It's good to see that they haven't um, lost all of their little, like, joke, joking demeanor between them. It's still there. Um, they encounter another river, and Allie's like, wait, what if this is the river of death? So, yeah, Al, uh, Joel is kind of put on guard, and this is where we see the Jackson people pull up. Uh, they, they hold them up at gunpoint. They ask them what the hell they're doing there. And then we, we see that this canine can detect cordyceps and uh, obviously Joel's not infected so so the canine goes right by him and but as he's but as the canine is, is sniffing Ellie uh you know Joel begins to get like this PTSD it seems like he's remembering what happened with Sarah where he was kind of held up at gunpoint and he couldn't do anything while the and he was just completely naked and vulnerable in this moment and it seems like he's bracing himself for the same thing to happen to Allie that happened to Sarah here, and it's just uh, it just reminds you of just how much, um, just just how m- many similarities Joel projects onto Allie from Sarah, or just uh, how much she really does remind him of her. They're obviously very different types of girls and and people, but uh, I mean, you can't help. I'm sure that Joel can't help but think about about Sarah whenever something like this happens or, you know, basically every time he looks at Allie, you know, they're about the same age, things like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Joel begin- Joel basically tells the Jackson people he's just looking for his brother and that's when um, this mysterious figure, figure like comes up close and we learn that this is Maria and, uh, and she immediately knows who Joel is and uh, you can see that as an audience member um, that she probably knows exactly who Joel is looking for so that's when we enter the Jackson compound Uh, is this like the cutest little town ever I thought it was just freaking adorable I want to go find like a bed and breakfast in there it was beautiful and uh, we get the Tommy reunion the one the moment that you know six episodes in and we and we finally get this this moment, and it really paid off. Like I was moved, tremendous, like really moved by this episode. Having a brother, you know, Brandon being my brother, couldn't help but think about what it would be like to to not know where he's at or if he's safe, and just how, just how, uh, just how powerful, the, like a reunion, and just seeing him again after you know months of of not knowing if he's okay. It really uh, struck me, and uh, I'm sure it struck a lot of people who, not 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 only people who have siblings, but anybody who 
you know, you know cares or loves about someone to be separated from them and to not know where they're at uh, for so long it must be torture and then to see them alive and well and healthy and and, and beautiful it, it, it um, there's probably no other feeling like that um, I love that to- uh, Joel tells Tommy I'm here to save you and <laughs> and Tommy's doing just fine I mean he's they got Christmas trees and he's looks like he's hanging I don't know what they what they were working on but um Tommy's looks like he's doing just fine without it and this is a little strange I mean where I hadn't well these are question new questions arise here for me like why hadn't Tommy told Joel about this I know I'm sure his relationship isn't it was something happened there obviously but I mean if I found a place like this I don't think there's any disagreement or difference that would be big enough to keep me from telling my brother about it um but again every relationship is different so I was curious to see and I guess we learn later we'll learn more about why that may be later um we see Allie how she's she's like taking this all in and she's kind of looking a little bit dubious I'm not sure if it's like she doesn't trust Tommy I mean she knows like this is the mission that she's been on for three months I would have expected her to perhaps share in Joel's joy a bit more you know like she seemed invested in it back at the cabin when she said no we're gonna find him and it's gonna be okay let's go come on like she seemed like she sort of um yeah like I like invested was invested in this in this search for for Tommy but um perhaps she felt a little bit let down here I'm not sure I'm not sure what she was expecting maybe she's kind of having the same questions I I have that we all have about like why hadn't Tommy mentioned this place to Joel but um yeah so or maybe it's a little bit of jealousy like (laughs) you know Joel has never um kind of expressed that side of himself to to Allie and maybe she's a little bit jealous not sure but she is looking at what's happening a little bit a little bit dubiously um they go inside what looks like a like a dining hall and they're just scarfing down whatever whatever they're eating. Couldn't really tell what they're eating, but it looked hot and it looked cooked through. And and, and uh, we learned that this is Allie's first proper meal ever. So uh, I'm not mad at her. Go ahead, girl. Get down. Get down on that plate. Um. Yeah. That another an interesting thing that happened here in this scene. Uh, there's like this staring girl, and uh, we later fans have theorized that this is a, a character named Dina who's from uh, the second video game I believe um, I might be wrong about that but it was sort of like an easter egg there that even even Troy Baker who was in the game missed um, but I heard him and Mazin and Druckmann talking about it in the in the HBO official podcast and Mazin basically confirmed that this is Dina uh, so something to keep to, to keep our eyes open for in the future um yeah, Allie seems a bit, a little bit salty, a little bit ungrateful that about what happened earlier, about that the way that they pulled up on him, guns drawn and all that. She didn't really appreciate that shit, you know. I feel you. And uh, yeah, so she, she's kind of like expressing her disapproval or just let, letting them know that hey, you don't, you don't, you don't like what's up. What was up with that? Uh, we're not. We're just gonna not talk about that. And Maria basically explains that the the reason that they've been able to preserve this place and keep it safe and 
from people is because of because of that sort of approach and protectiveness that she uh, bore the brunt of in the in the in their first encounter and that's why um yeah and and uh basically Joel says something like not everyone with a bad reputation has a has a is bad because Florence had expressed that 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 they leave bodies on the side of the river and that's basically was the work of Maria and her team but I mean they have to do that if if they want to protect this place basically um yeah, those were the people that tried them. She mentions and and uh, and yeah. So basically, Maria sort of just explains like why they have to do that, and uh, it's it's explained away a little bit, like just passively. Like uh, I don't know if I would um let that go uh, if I was Ali. Like I would have maybe asked a few more questions, like uh, like uh, I don't know what, what what rules or what code do you live by that determines who and who you do and do not let in this place. I don't know, but I just seemed like that was sort of kind of swept over, but, um, we got to get, we got to get to the next point. So, uh, Joel asked for a little bit of a, like some privacy with his brother. I wouldn't, I don't blame him. I'd want the same. He says, you know, family, a moment between family, family, like I said, family is a recurring theme in this episode. And we learned that, uh, Maria is part of that family now. Uh, surprise, congrats. Uh, <laughs> I thought this was a hilarious scene. It was the most muted congrats I think I had ever seen. Uh, Joel <laughs> did not seem, uh, that congrats did not seem from the heart. But uh, he was able to muster up enough, uh, um, he was to muster up enough to say congrats. So shout out Joel um, for, uh, you know, setting his pride aside and, and doing what's right, but I love how uh, Ali kind of uh, is bossing him around here a little bit. Uh, it seems like Joel's Joel's easy to handle. Like we saw Tess handle him before. We've seen Sarah handle him. We see now we see Ali handle him. There's something uh, kind of malleable or kind of uh, he's a little bit of he can be a bit of a pushover or uh, maybe he just um, would rather not uh, be confrontational or engage, but. Um, yeah, it seems like Allie's wearing the pants in this relationship uh, up to this point. We get a little bit of a, a tour, the Jackson tour. We learn that they settled here seven years ago. Um, we see this Christmas tree, and, and uh, this, this reminded me of Frank um, from episode three, saying that, you know, paying attention to things, it's how we show love. We see that same sort of sentiment, sort of um, expressed here in Jackson. It seems like they really take the time take the time energy and effort to focus on things that 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 the people in the qz for example may have may have not deemed essential but the the people in jackson uh really seem intent on preserving a lot of these traditions that that sort of foster and encourage like a more loving community or a more positive community um Maria kind of explains the the origin of the of Jackson and how they're able to keep it intact and being in the middle of nowhere really helps. So there's no there's no advertisements like come to Jackson. They stay off the radio, which explains Tommy's silence. Uh, and they basically are very selective of who they let in and 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 how they govern the town. We learn that Maria's on the council. 
Uh, it's democratically elective. There's about 300 people, I think. She mentions 300 people, so I'm guessing there's 300 people total in this town, which seems small. Um, we see some sheep, so <laughs> again, sheep is like a... We'll see. It won't be the last time we hear or see or hear sheep mentioned in this episode, but uh, I just thought that was uh, hilarious. And um, if I was Joel, I'd be like, what? It'd be one of those weird reminders like, am I living in a simulation? Like, I just mentioned sheep and now here they are. Uh, I love Ali's reaction. Hey, Joel, check it. Look, you're, you're sheep. <laughs> um, we learn a little bit a little bit more about Jackson. It's a collective ownership, uh, bake, basically communism, but. Uh, Tommy, this is all, This it just it's surprising that this all just dawned on Tommy and he has like a sort of DJ Khaled meme, uh, if, if those of you have seen that meme before, uh, where he stands up and has this sudden moment of realization and and uh, and shock, like, holy shit, this is communism. I thought that was hilarious. Tommy's, Tommy offers up a cabin for them to stay in overnight. Or stay in. I'm not sure what the plan is for for them moving forward. Um, Allie expresses, uh, or Tommy basically says, you know, it has heat. You could do worse. And Allie says, uh, you know, trust me, we have been. And Joel comes in right away and says, you know, we've been doing fine. So Allie, uh, a little bit ungrateful and a little bit uh, expressing a little bit of ungratefulness. And and Joel didn't really appreciate it. and lets her know like he's been you know killing himself to keep her safe and comfortable and and uh i'm sure she was just making a joke but i'm sure it's just um goes to show how sensitive joel is about this whole thing and i thought that was uh an interesting little moment there so ali and joel split up you could see how reluctant she is to to like leave him i'm guessing this is the first time that they really split up you know in the past since they've met each other basically uh so i i uh i love that the show took its time and kind of showing her sort of um like coming up against the idea of being separated from joel and it just goes to show you how attached she's become to him and he tells her um that she'll be okay you know basically yeah well i guess in in the last episode they did split up for a moment when he went to kill the sniper um and even then she kind of resisted the idea of him leaving her so i i, I love that 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 we we see that again here um and even the, i mean those circumstances were much different but even when things seem safe and secure and she's with people who they seem like they can trust she's still very on guard she has her guard up um we go to we go inside of a bar and Tommy and Joel share a drink. Uh, you know, Tommy basically says, "Thanks for still giving a shit about me." And and Joel, of course, you know, like uh, lets him know, like, "Yeah, man, I mean, uh, I love you." And but Tommy seems a little bit like off put, and it, there's just a bit of a awkward tension happening here. And uh, Tommy's very proud of this place. He says, "You know, like they're gonna begin farming hogs." And Joel says, Christmas trees and bacon, what what more could you want? And uh, I thought I thought that was a, yeah, I guess, uh, me personally, I don't, I'm not a big fan of bacon, but uh, I know a lot of people are. Uh, but uh, swine is not something I, I uh, not, not a delicacy that I personally am crazy about. 
Um, I mean, I used to be, but things have changed. Uh, lifestyles cha- change. Um, it reminds me of, I used to have, uh, my grandma used to make me bacon sandwiches with may- mayonnaise and bacon only every day after school. And I lived off that for years. And um, so I guess I've had my fair share of bacon. I, I'll be fine if I don't ever have another strip. But uh, uh, I uh, I remember what it's like and uh, I see the appeal. I'll just say that. Joel lies a bit, or he lies a lot about what the whole story is. And uh, Tommy asks about Tess. He lies about that. He asks who Allie is. He lies about that. So I thought it was uh, interesting. He basically says that Allie's the daughter of some muckety muck firefly, and he's trying to get her back to him. Um, but yeah, Joel doesn't seem completely trusting of, of Tommy yet. I don't. I don't blame him. Cults. This seems a little bit. Jackson seems a little culty. So I'm sure that that idea is in, is, is in Joel's head that maybe this is some sort of cult and uh, maybe Tommy's much different, so you can't trust him with this with this intel at, at this point yet. He still needs to feel him out a bit, but uh, he is search, you know trying to find out more information about what what's going on around this, what's going on in Wyoming. If there's some sort of Firefly base, if he's still in touch with any of those contacts and. Tommy basically tell, directs him to the University of Eastern Colorado, so it's a, it's a it's not it's a fictional university, but we'll talk more about this later. But it sort of resembles Colorado University. He lets him know it's a really dangerous mission. There's a whole lot of infected. There's a whole lot of raiders, um, but that you know he he could probably hold his own as as we know Joel is capable, and Joel sort of peer pressures Tommy into coming. Kind of assumes that he would come. Uh, I thought this was a little clumsy, but uh, before asking, uh, he kind of just assumes, you know, after who knows how long without you seeing each other, uh, I would have probably been a little bit more thoughtful about how I approached Tommy about coming with me. But uh, this is this is certainly a choice to sort of peer pressure or sort of just uh, make someone feel put. He basically put the pressure on him to refuse him which is something I don't appreciate. I always like uh, giving people uh, giving people a choice or, or not putting that, or bunt, uh, kind of absorbing the pressure of any sort of big ask or big request. I'm never going to assume that the other person, you know, I'll never put it on the other person to deny me. I'll always acknowledge, yeah, you know, I know this is inconvenient or I know this isn't, you know, I know this is a lot, but would you... Uh, but Tommy skips all that, skips all those pleasantries and cuts straight to the chase. And, uh, like I said, it's a choice, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work here. So maybe he should have been a little bit more thoughtful and considerate with how he asked Tommy here. Uh, yeah, so they, they, they uh, they kind of get into it over like Tommy's obedience and loyalty to this place. And, and we learned that it's not, it's not just about that, but that Tommy's going to be a dad. And this comes as quite a shock to, to to me, to myself, and to every, and to Joel especially. But uh, Tommy's excited about this, and I don't blame him. That's a beautiful thing. And he says, you know, I think I'll be a good dad. And Joel says, guess we'll find out. Rough, rough. Joel is not. I don't know what was in that drink, but Joel is not on his uh, not on his game as far as like uh, being um, sort of. Uh, uh, tactful with his encounter here like he just doesn't really 
uh, ha- doesn't he's just handling this all wrong, left and right, misstep after misstep. Uh, I guess it, he just starts to unravel and maybe says, "Fuck it, like whatever." I'm just gonna be real. Um, this is my brother. Why do I have to sort of um, censor myself? And I, I get it, but um, this is someone you haven't seen in a long time. There's been a lot's happened since then. Uh, I just thought he mishandled this whole shit, fucked it all up. Um, and it, it's ob- obvious Tommy's very upset, basically says that, the like, just because you're miserable doesn't mean I have to be miserable. He says, uh, just because life stopped for you doesn't mean it has to stop for me, which is brutal, completely brutal. But um, <sighs> things happen. Things get said when uh, emotions are high. And uh, Tommy, you can see Tommy's immediate regret fall over his face at, at saying this, but... Um, Words can't be unsaid. Once once they're said, they're said. They're there. Uh, they cut deep. People say sticks and stones. That's bullshit. Words hurt. And they could damage sometimes irreparably relationships. Um, if if they're not dealt with, you know, dealt with properly and thoughtfully, you know, following like soon after, you only have a limited window, I think, depending on each, of course, each incident's different, but... Um, Sometimes, thing you know, words like I said, you can't unsay these words. You can't unsend iMessage. Uh, once it's out, it's out. And uh, Tommy storms off, and they kind of uh, that they uh, ha- basically are um, at odds again. It seems like they they can only keep the peace for so long, and I think that happens with families. You know, like every the peaceful time is so sensitive and everywhere each party is waiting for the other shoe to drop and it's it's, 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 there's some it's not always like this but i understand this kind of tension it's kind of uh hard to define or point put your finger on you just feel it and uh uh, that happens with family you're just so close together you know everything about each other um you take your own discontent uh, discontent with with the people closest to you and they often bear the brunt of your of whatever the other person is going through so uh, um I, I love that this sort of dynamic is expressed here and it always seems personal but it's often not things like that it made me think of and we see joel sort of have like another sort of a a, a panic attack and he's and he's sort of like hallucinating a bit he sees this girl who looks a lot like sarah and and uh it's a pretty heartbreaking moment here, and he's just reminded of of all the loss. And there, I, I, there, there are moments when like nothing seems to be going right. Like he just had said these awful things to his brother. He's having this physical reaction to it. He sees this woman who looks like Sarah. It just seems like it's all, uh, you know, everything's going to shit, and so despair. Like he's kind of despairing here, and um, but he he recovers. He recovers. He quick, thank goodness, he recovers a bit, and um, then we then we're back to Allie, and she's showering in the and it looks like a teenage girl's room. Maria left her this menstrual solution. I had no idea what this was. I was like, is that a female condom? <laughs> Just goes to show my ignorance. But my sister quickly shout out Jazzy corrected me. Let me know it's a diva cup. Uh, so we again like this show isn't um, shying away from. Uh, the dilemma of, of menstruation in this in the apocalypse like it's something that 
women would have to half the population would have to deal with and i and i appreciate the showrunners uh not shying away from it um but for a lot of people i'm sure that was their first time ever seeing this for sure me 35 years on this earth never seen that thing had no idea what it was looked like a like a the top of a baby's bottle for all i know you could have told me that i would have believed you um but uh, it looks like it's Allie's first time seeing that too but she was kind of uh she uh, at least interested i don't know if she uh was excited to use this thing or not but she was like well weird okay let's see what this is about i thought that was funny uh then we see ali you know she's not she she walks over to maria's house uh very basic memorial setup you know not to not to downplay the significance of, of what's being memorialized here but just a, a names and dates on a chalkboard i thought that was uh a little, I, I I would have expected like the production design and the, the the creativity behind some of these, behind the show has been so, um, you know, so so excellent and so thoughtful and and unique. I would have expected a little bit more than just a chalkboard here, but we just see a couple names and a couple dates, uh, Sarah and Kevin, and um, yeah, we get confirmation that Sarah actually didn't die on Joel's birthday. Um, it was actually the day after because it was past midnight. So Tommy remembered that seems to remember that detail and, uh, 927, um, was Sarah's death date there. Um, yeah, she, so, uh, Maria agrees to, Maria offers up to cut Ellie's hair. It's been a while. She, you know, she figures, so this is a moment that they get to know each other a little bit. Uh, we learned that Maria was a, the uh, assistant district attorney in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and, you know, Allie apologize, you know, says, uh, expresses her condolences for, for her children. And we learned this is Allie's first time hearing about Sarah. So again, three months passed, uh, and, uh, not, it seems like Allie and Joel still haven't opened up too much about each other. I mean, I guess, uh, we see more that we see this um, sort of confirmed later on where Joel never even really told her what he used to do in the old world until this episode, you know, until after this. So I wonder what what they spent their time talking about for those three months. But this is Allie's first time hearing about about Sarah. And um, yeah, and then we, we learn we come to realize that Maria is very skeptical of Joel and that that. Uh, and then Allie is skeptical, you know, she says, well, Tommy did, you know, she says basically that they killed people. And Maria's like, are you sure you you can trust this guy? Are you, she's kind of concerned for Allie's safety. And, and Allie's like a little bit offended uh, and goes after Tommy. And that, and Maria comes right back while Maria, Tommy was following Joel. And Craig Mazin was talking about this in the, in the official podcast that the way he directed the actors here was uh, like a boxing match. He wanted this to be, he wanted them to sort of approach this as like a, a bit of a fight and it's non-physical it's all verbal but that's I thought it was interesting that he sort of uh, that was his definition of how he wanted them to come to the scene as fighters and and, and this is a bit of a boxing match um, Maria basically says be careful who you put your faith in the only people who can betray us are the ones you trust so some words of wisdom to Allie there and she's basically like yeah lady whatever uh, who the fuck are you? But um, she has a good point there. But I, I just thought it was interesting how skeptical Maria is of Joel, and it explains why Tommy maybe hadn't been, <clears throat> hadn't reached out to Joel. Um, yeah, because obviously Maria doesn't seem to approve of him, and we all know that 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 
dynamic when a, a happy wife, happy life. So whatever the wife says goes, if you want to keep the marriage, um, keep the marriage happy. Um, so it looks like she, Maria kind of wears the pants and handles Tommy a bit. And maybe and, uh, that explains why Tommy maybe hadn't told Joel about uh, Jackson here. Um, next, we see them at a movie theater. I thought this was uh, lovely. The, the seats didn't look very comfortable. You know me, I like the reclining seats. I like a li- if not if there's no recliner, I at least like to kick my feet up on a, maybe maybe like a, like a bar like the the hand railing. Um, but uh, they're just sitting on some wooden chairs. I was like, I don't know if I could sit through two hours on those wooden chairs. My back isn't what it used to be. Uh, but the movie they're watching here, The Goodbye Girl, Neil Simon joint. If uh, those of you don't know, Neil Simon is this revered comedic writer, mainly known for uh, like theater stage productions, um, starring Richard Dreyfuss from uh, Jaws. If you don't uh, know Richard Dreyfuss. And the, and the synopsis of this film is... After being dumped, dumped by her live-in boyfriend, an unemployed dancer and her 10-year-old daughter are reluctantly forced to live with a struggling off-Broadway actor, played by, by Dreyfus. So this sort of uh, ties into the idea of found family that we touched on a little bit. Um, I guess Joel is the struggling actor in this analogy. Uh, so Joel catching strays here with this with this metaphorical inclusion of, uh, of the goodbye girl, but... Uh, it is what it is. Uh, Tommy decides to skip the movie. Maybe seen it before. Wasn't a fan. Maybe not a Neil Simon fan. Um, not his cup of tea, I guess. Uh, he's in the he's in the he's in like a barn, kind of trying to repair his boots, and the boots are all fucked up. Don't blame him. Eight hundred miles will do a number on those boots. I'm sure. Uh, there's no more REI. You can't mail them in and get a replacement. Uh, like like you used to in the old days. Um, Tommy's basically there to apologize. He comes in, basically apologizes, and lets him know he was wrong um, for what he said about life having to st- not having to stop for him and and that and and good for good for Tommy here. Appreciated this and like I said, you have a limited window to sort of make amends after something uh, as hurtful like that is expressed between between loved ones. So. Um, I love that Tommy was able to own up to it and take accountability and apologize. And uh, even though Joel was in the wrong too, you know, his reaction to Tommy expressing this beautiful news was, was, wasn't great, but um, they sort of make up and uh, this is uh, the, 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 probably the highlight of the episode. Joel really um, is able to express and, and sort of open up to someone perhaps the first time in a long time that he's been able to be authentic and honest with someone he you know he he begins by asking how dangerous the ride is to the university and and um tommy tells him that it's nothing he can't handle uh and this is when joel decides to to come clean about a lot he comes comes clean about ali's immunity he lets him know that uh that she's immune he's seen it and and uh, this is a so he kind of um yeah, it kind of takes back everything he said before and and about all the about, you know, Allie being the daughter of Muckity Muck and sort of tells the truth here. And I, I love this little touch here that the show does. But as Joel's sort of explaining everything, Tommy, Tommy's basically says, OK, from the beginning, tell me everything from the beginning. And Joel sort of, you know, 
I'm assuming tells her everything, you know, from Tess, from the federal guard that they had to kill. He tells him everything. And, um, but I thought the show did something nice, interesting here, something different. It was It was a voiceover of Joel while Allie is walking through the town. You don't necessarily see where she's walking. You sort of just see her walking around. Um, she, so she she wasn't a fan of the goodbye girl, I guess. And, and I understand like she's never seen a movie before in her life. And this is all very strange and bizarre to her. Um, but we see her walking around. I just I just thought that was an, an interesting like narrative cinematic choice to have this voiceover of Joel while Allie walks around. Um very ominous and and uh he tells him everything he or joel tells uh tommy everything that she, she saved my life and he kind of uh, this is a bit this is a this is a confession he's kind of confessing everything to tommy about what's um what's happened in the preceding months and um like i said this is the first time that joel's probably been uh uh been been able to be honest like 100 percent honest with somebody you know he's had to put this fake guard up to protect his strength and to not scare Allie and to, and he's probably had to lie to her that they were going to be okay. You know, when he told her you'll be okay, they're not going to hit, he's not going to hit you the sniper. Who knows? He probably wasn't being honest with himself in that moment. He probably didn't think that they would get out. Um, but this is the first time he sees the opportunity to be, you know, honest and he takes it and runs with it. And it just reminds me how valuable it is to have someone in your life that you can be honest with and how not having that can can force you to compartmentalize your fears to a point where you can't unpack it and it cripples you and and, and the longer you go without expressing honesty and 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 what you're really dealing with um it can really take its toll and you're just reminded that Tommy ha- or that Joel hasn't had that person or anyone like that since maybe I don't even know if Tess was that for him, but maybe since the last time him and Tommy were on good terms and to have that again, he sort of takes it as like a like a lifeline, like a like a and he really grips it and really does. Uh, you can see how starving he was for for this opportunity to to be honest and open and he just lets it all pour out and uh he basically asked tommy to 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 take ali because he doesn't trust himself with this anymore and um tommy's kind of refuses at first but then joel lets him know that he kind of uses this i don't want to say use but he kind of reminds him of how much is at stake here he reminds Tommy that he's going to be a dad and if he wants her to live in a better world that Ellie is the key. And uh, we see we see Tommy um, consider it and take it and and agree. So basically Tommy agrees to this. But um, I just... Uh, P- Pedro was incredible in this scene. Uh, this will probably be his Emmy clip. A lot of people are saying a complete tour to force performance here. But also some really great writing... Um, you don't really see men, or at least men traditionally portrayed as masculine, be this vulnerable and open, and uh, and I love that. I mean, it's just it takes you, it 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 surprises you, you know, because in these stories, it's always in these lone wolf and cub stories, the man is is never really expresses weakness, or if he does, it's not as um. Uh, it, it, it's not expressed from his own perspective like 
verbally or uh, he's basically thinking out loud and 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 he's saying everything that he's feeling and thinking she saved my life I was too slow I was so afraid I'm weak um, these are all things that we saw happening within Joel but we weren't like I said we weren't or at least I wasn't sure if he was aware of it himself but here we learn that he, he has been and that it's been taking a toll he talks about his dreams he can't even remember what he's dreaming about he just wakes up and he knows that he's lost something and the writing is incredible here the performance is incredible uh, he says he's I'm failing in my sleep and I thought that that line in particular was so haunting and tells you everything you need to know about how 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 this is just come this completely is is possessing this fear this doubt has completely taken a hold of Joel and he can't even sleep to escape it that it's finding him even in his dreams and I thought that was um so thoughtfully expressed and and executed here with the writing and with the acting just just incredible incredible stuff um next we see that this this really iconic scene so the next scene we're getting is the joel joel and ally in in this bedroom and this is an, an iconic scene from the video game um joel i mean uh, bella ramsey and pedro pascal both express like crippling anxiety and preparation for this scene just because they know it's basically like the sort of one like the emotional climax of the first game and it's it's performed here beautifully word for word almost um and i learned that some of the the dialogue in the game was was ad lib not ad-libbed or not improvised but um but but it's not syntactic synth syntactically correct that Ashley Johnson delivered some of the dialogue um she says something like I've lost everybody except fucking for you or she inserts a fucking because her emotion was so high in the scene the actor Ashley Johnson who portrayed Bella in the video game um and she was so in the moment that she said she inserted an f-bomb where it's not traditionally supposed to be or it's everyone except fucking for you or everyone fucking except for you um and bella and they decided to keep that i thought that was interesting that that and uh it's just it's just incredible that this that an actor you know almost 10 years ago ashley johnson that a moment that a real moment that she was experiencing as an actor you know she was living truly living in these circumstances of the game me being an inspiring actor this is basically the uh this is what you aim for and this is uh, the holy grail of the craft is to find yourself and to, to be able to suspend the disbelief of, of acting and performing and to truly just settle into the circumstances in the moment that you forget everything else. Um, even if it's group like regular grammar or the lines or whatever, but that's what happened here with Ashley Johnson and to see it honored and carried through with the show's, uh, adaptation and portrayal of the scene uh, I thought was 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 uh, was was really beautiful and just uh, I feel like it was honoring Ashley Johnson's commitment to that role uh, so so I love that but but this whole scene everyone says that that they that they did it justice um, and I, I watched it without knowing this that it was such an iconic scene in the game and it was just as impactful to me you could see this is where their relationship is you get to see how much they how much they've experienced how much they've how much um they've gone through again as i was saying earlier some things are said here that that are hurtful that 
you can't unsay some of these things. Um, but they both say some hurtful things to each other and, and, um, but they also say some really like loving things to each other. Allie asks, um, you know, do you give a shit about me? Yes. Or do you give a shit about me or not? And Joel says, of course I do. And I love that because it went from a few episodes. He was calling her cargo to, of course I do. How could you even question that? I give a shit. You're all I give a shit about up to up until this point, except with maybe the exception of Tommy, like, of course I do. So just to see how, Joel's affection for Ali has grown um, in these past three months. I thought it was beautiful. Whether it's earned or not, I'm not sure yet. I haven't decided yet. Uh, the three-month time jump may not have helped. I would have loved to see a handful more moments between them, like like the Linda Ronstadt uh, music uh, moment when they're leaving Frank and Bill's house. I love like little th- thoughtful moments that don't necessarily drive the plot forward but they certainly drive character and relationship forward moments like the diarrhea joke or him showing her how to hold the gun or the campfire scene earlier in this episode little moments like now that I'm listing them it seems like like there were a lot of them but I don't know maybe just a few more just to really cement that relationship and that love that 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 you see that Joel has developed for Allie here um maybe just a few more moments I, I thought that it would have made this moment feel a little bit more earned, but I'm not mad at it. I still buy it. I still believe it. The actors were incredible. Um, and and we'll leave it at that. Uh, he loves her. We, basically, we see that, you know, he loves her. And um, now we're the next morning um, and there's a knock at the door and you see Allie. She's still holding on to some hope, but it's Tommy. And you see the devastation like fall across her face and and you see that she's just kind of disappointed. Um, I should go back and say that the, the, the one line that I was mentioning that, that probably cut the most is when Joel tells Allie that I'm sure as hell ain't your dad. You're not my daughter. And uh, like I said, you have a limited window to sort of make amends for that. And, and Joel seems to t- rip a page out of Tommy's book here. And, and uh, so th- the next morning we see him. He's waiting at the stables basically his form his way of apologizing to her is by telling her you know you deserve a choice and before she can even finish she says let's go love this moment there's no uh like mushy hug or any uh, overly emotional um sort of moment it's just like okay now can we get back to work now that our emotions are set aside like Allie is very down to business um to the point and uh it makes sense for her character. She doesn't seem the type that would like hug him or have this like uh, overly emotional moment. Um, I thought this was this was well ac- executed by both the actors, excuse me, and in line with who who Allie is as a character. So so I love that. Tommy and Joel say their goodbyes. Uh, basically says adios. So we get some Spanish here. I know Brandon was happy to see that. Brandon's been talking about that the. That the Latin Hispanic representation, though it's on the screen, and I don't know if the culture has been uh, um, satisfa- satisfactorily represented uh, uh, up to this point. But hey, we got a little, we got a little bit. You got to take what you can get, and we got some here. Um, so Joel and Ellie hit the road. They're on the road again. Get a bit of a shooting lesson. So we like the show basically um, answered my <laughs> my questions here uh, about their relationship so I guess you get a glimpse of what they've been going through 
over the past three months by what what follows in this next little sequence she's getting a shooting lesson um you know you got to squeeze the trigger like you love it and you're going to shoot this thing or get it pregnant moments like that really (laughs) i love little moments like that that really solidify the relationship the show has not been uh completely void of humor or light thought uh like light lighter moments and um it really takes its time to 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 dole those out thoughtfully and they always seem to come right at the right moment to break to break tension or to sort of um re-solidify the dynamic between Joel and Allie and I love I love the time love this little sequence here and uh, Joel and Allie they talk more about the the world before she asks if, if Jackson was always how it was and and Joel says no some people wanted to own everything and some people didn't want people to own anything at all so the former being capitalists and the second being communists is, is my understanding of that comment there um but uh yeah i thought that, that was a funny way of putting it but i don't know if i'm i don't know if he's got it completely right i wouldn't consider myself either one of those i you know i don't want to own everything but i also don't think that people shouldn't own anything at all i kind of just want to eat and have a place to, to to lay my head down at night um but also have the opportunity to grow if i want or to have different opportunities presented so i don't know what you would call me but uh that's what that uh i don't know if joel's um sort of basic summary i think it's a little bit too basic there she asks so which one were you and joel's a little bit like me he says neither i just did my job i was a contractor we were cool everybody loves contractors i don't know i think hyping himself up a little bit there i don't know uh if everybody loves contractors i mean they're essential they're needed when you need them but i've never been uh excited to to dial up a contractor just because uh you never know what you're going to get with those guys. <laughs> Shout out Ralph Pacheco. Um, but yeah, so these are just a couple of bonding moments here. He gets, she gets she gives him a football, or Joel gives Allie a football lesson. I wonder how many of you knew uh, what they were talking about here who didn't know, but pretty pretty good some uh, pretty good explanation of what football is. Uh, you know, basically just moving in one direction uh, violently. Uh, uh so yeah i thought uh so next time i need to explain football to someone i'm going to recall the way that joel showed this because i think it was pretty pretty effective um we learned that they reached the university in five easy days i don't know what tommy was so afraid of ali says is and joel can't help himself says still time to find out the contractor still time to find out and and uh Allie kind of pokes fun at him for that. And I love how the show pokes fun at itself with its dialogue. We saw this with uh, Endure and Survive. Henry and Joel were kind of making fun of that quote. And again, we see Craig Mazin poking fun at his own writing here. Um, You know, still time to find out. Uh, He wrote that line and then he immediately writes Allie to make fun of that line. I love that. I love that self-awareness here. Um, So they pull up on the, the university she asks you know what college was like and joel describes college students as a sort of adult so college kids catching strays here um if you ask me that's a bit generous i don't know if i would even use sort of i would say sort of uh i wouldn't even use the word adult i don't know i'm just kidding but uh, college kids uh, uh joel was not a fan of it seems and uh it seems like Joel's really getting more comfortable with 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 Allie. He uh, decides to, to to 
to keep it a little bit more real with her and decides that and decides to tell her that the sheep that was just a cover sheep is not his dream his dream is to sing uh so that was interesting i'd love to see hopefully we get to see some pedro pedro singing but uh i don't believe that you can i don't believe this moment would be properly paid off without that so i'm looking forward to it um pedro singing watches on see a bunch of monkeys uh this is a nod to the game uh again ali's first time we see ali experiencing things a lot of different things for the first time we see her this is the first time she's seen monkeys uh so interesting that that she's still everything is still so new to her just reminded the show continues to remind you of that throughout um we see some firefly graffiti. Seems like these guys really love their graffiti. Their stencil. They got. Some, they must have some stencil. I wonder who the guy stenciling out the graffiti is. But uh, he's pretty good. It's pretty. Uh, the lines are clean. Clean lines on that graffiti. It looks like they're the. So the the lab is abandoned. There's a packing list. Seems like they move. Salt Lake City is the destination. Uh, so something must have went down in Colorado. So like I said. This episode answers some questions, raises new questions. This is one of the questions: What the hell went down in Salt Lake City, uh, or excuse me, in, in at Eastern Colorado University that forced them to um, escape to Salt Lake City? Uh, we hear some noise, whatever, blah 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 blah, da da da. There's some raiders, so they try to sneak off. This raider sneaks up. Ali saves Joel again, uh, basically. Or, you know, up to a point, but it could have been much worse if Ali wasn't there. Joel is able to sort of fight this guy off, snaps his neck, but he's stabbed. The classic uh, bait and switch that, oh, the guy, you know, he's um, subdued the threat, but shortcut later. That victory is short-lived. You see the character, something, something that he's shot, he's wet, he's stabbed. Uh, Joel pulls the thing out my mom screamed no rule number one has this guy never seen an action movie what the fuck was he thinking he pulls it out and Allie, even Allie's like what are you doing don't even she she's never seen a movie but even she knows you don't pull out the the shank you keep it in otherwise you're gonna bleed out but uh must have hurt or uh, 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 i don't know joel not very tactful here not very um not very capable as we've seen uh, many people express throughout the throughout the series of how capable he is not capable of uh of uh realizing how danger how how silly and stupid that was um but immediately they 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 ride off they get away ali ali is um you know she she's freaking out that he stabbed uh you know i can't fucking do this without you and and she's uh she's shooting at the ra- raiders as she's drives um as they're riding away uh kind of reminiscent of the last episode where she was shooting while running away she was shooting at the at the run plow tank um from the hunters um if i was her i would do some that 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 stationary target practice that they were doing earlier isn't gonna doesn't seem like they'll be in many situations where they'll have the opportunity to be stationary if i was joel and Allie. I would start uh, doing some target practice with me running away from the target because it seems like they find my, themselves in those that type type of situation much more than they than they do in just like a stationary um, position. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think they need some some running target practice. Uh, 
this is a devastating moment. Uh, Joel's stabbed. All that rah-rah, hopeful enthusiasm that was, you know, generated between that sequence before where they're catching up and they're express or not catching up, but they're kind of opening up and getting to know each other. It's just deadened by this moment. Like life comes at you fast, bro. Like it's like Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until you get shanked by an insurrectionist raider. Uh, so I thought the, the, the show is never, never lets you get too high for too long. And, uh, you quickly reminded of that here. Um, they get away, thankfully, uh, thankfully, uh, thanks to Allie's, you know, shooting. I don't think she hit anybody, but, uh, it was enough to, to, to stage them off. They get away. The Joel falls off the horse and, uh, Allie's begging and pleading, you know, I can't fucking do this without you. And you get to, you just see how much she's grown to love and care about him. Um, so dev- devastating moment. And then the, the, the cover of Depeche Mode comes in here and it's uh the callback to episode one 80s means trouble they're both in dire trouble here uh never let me down again um i'm taking a ride with my best friend beautiful cover here uh surprise it's craig mazin's daughter he he surprised everyone on the on the official podcast with this not even troy baker knew this but um Mason knew he wanted to sort of cover that song in a in sort of a melancholic uh, version to, with a melancholic version, like sort of very Lana Del Rey type of of cover. And rather than like go through the trouble of um, reaching out to all of his contacts in Hollywood, he said he knew a pretty good singer right down the hallway. Um, who he thought would do a pretty good job of this. And so he asked her if she'd do it. And she said, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. A week went by. She hadn't done it. Typical, typical teenager. And he says, hey, what's up with that song? And she's like, oh, I forgot. And he's like, okay, well, um, I'm trying to put your put you on, girl, baby girl. Like, uh, get it together. Nepo, uh, nepo, nepotism here happening. But it is what it is. I thought it was incredible. I loved it. Uh, the cover's great. She's very talented and I'm, I'm gonna try to look her up and see what else she what else she produces. But yeah, beautiful beautiful cover here, and that's the episode. So uh, yeah, another banger. Like I said, I really love this step. Love this episode. Um, Mason and Druckmann in the after show they they talked about how, other than the ending, with the exception of the ending of this episode, it's in almost entirely void of any action, like traditional action, but that. There's emotional action sequences throughout between, like I said, Maria and Allie. Uh, Mason directed that as like a fist fight between Joel and Tommy at the bar, between Joel and himself at the in the in the barn, uh, between Joel and Tommy in the barn. Like uh, they're in, they may not be inside of Jackson. They're not in any real like physical danger or from the infected or from Rangers, but when you're around people who you really care about and who you've grown to love the way Allie and and Joel have grown to love each other and, or the way that Joel and Tommy love each other, you're in danger, especially in a world like this. So though there isn't any traditional action, uh, there was a lot of emotional action sequences. And, and uh, I just love that the way that, that Druckmann and Mason were able to articulate that and, and, and they really executed it well. Um, my favorite, so I'm going to run down some of my favorites. My favorite moment of the show was probably, um, you know, obviously the, the Pedro monologue or the Pedro Tommy scene where he, 
he's kind of opening up i just thought that was really the cli- the the emotional climax and the heartbeat or the the heart of that this episode and it was just written beautifully loved it. i i always appreciate really thoughtful writing and even though it's all on it's all very um I don't want to say on the nose, but it's very direct and simple. Like he says, I'm failing, you know, I'm, I'm afraid I'm weak. It doesn't wax poetic about anything that this guy's feeling. He doesn't seem like he's the type of man who would really sort of, um, speak eloquently about what he's doing though that I'm failing in my sleep line. That's a banger. Uh, so I don't know if I buy that Joel would have the, the sensitivity to deliver that torp type of articulation about what he's feeling or what he's experiencing but but i i'm not mad at it i love it for what it is um mvp of the episode probably pedro uh with a bella coming in at, or bella ramsey coming in in a close second i thought they were both extraordinary in this episode tommy had a really a lot of really good moments maria you know everyone the acting has been incredible in this show uh, graham green was great elaine elaine miles uh marlon and florence they were great um yeah the acting has been impeccable but mvp obviously gonna be pedro here my favorite bar my favorite line uh, i'm failing in my sleep like i said i can relate bro i can relate um well that's the episode that's the breakdown that's the review another banger loved it uh i'm sure you guys miss brandon but uh he'll be back um thanks for tuning in a couple plugs uh emergency awesome's great screen crush is great i always check those guys out check them out if you haven't podcasts uh ringer prestige tv they do a breakdown they also do a deep dive my boy dave chen decoding tv uh of course the official podcast is great tune into that um thanks for pulling up thanks for hanging out with me uh we'll be back next week to cover the next week to cover next week's episode we only got three more left um can't believe it this show's already almost over uh covering this show with or watching the show's been 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 awesome but just covering it with my brother has been it's just elevated it to just one of my this is my highlight of my week and i'm and i know he he wishes he could be here but uh um i'll tell him all this when he when he's back next week about just how much it means to me to be able to experience and share this with him and talk to him he's so thoughtful he's so insightful and and uh i love being able to to have someone like him in my life and that scene with him with joel and tommy just reminds me how valuable it is to have someone in your life who you can be you know open and honest and 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 genuine with and and brandon's always been that for me i have other people like that too but um it just reminded me of just how much that's needed and, and essential in everyone's life and without it you know it can damage you irreparably um, so thank you for all the people in my life, Brandon and Jasmine, my mom, my, all my friends who I'm just able to just be open and honest with. I love you guys. Um, didn't mean to get all <laughs> mushy there, but, uh, just, uh, the show just reminds me of, uh, how important people are basically. All right, y'all, I'm going to get out of here. That's been the episode. Remember your blessings and mind your business. Peace, gods. Peace.